You're listening to The One Pridecast. Hello and welcome to another episode of The One Pridecast. I'm your host, Tori Petri. Happy off-season, guys. Happy 2020. Happy new decade. I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday, a great new year. Uh, We're entering a new phase of of the season. It is the off-season now, so... Things are shifting around here. We took last week off of the podcast, kind of caught our breaths, came up for air after the season, and we are back now. We won't be back every single week during the offseason, but we will be bringing you podcasts throughout the offseason as well. During the season, you got to hear Lomas and I sit down, chat a little bit about life and food and traveling to road games and all that kind of fun stuff. And and we had that kind of podcast for the in-season version, but the off-season will look a little bit different. We'll be bringing you a lot more interviews, uh, different analysts, a little bit more of a rotation coming in through the off-season. Uh, but we're going to start here with today's first off-season podcast. There's so much to look back and and talk about from this 2019 season as we reflect back and get ready for everything that the offseason holds with the Lions having the number three pick that is obviously the biggest story this offseason so there is plenty to talk about but of course uh, we work here at DetroitLions.com as well and do tons of reviews and and look backs there uh, throughout the offseason so we have started doing that Tim Twentyman, Mike O'Hara and I sat down and had a conversation about each phase of the game we talked about the offense we talked about the defense we talked about special teams and we talked about rookies those are releasing on DetroitLions.com as four separate videos but we kind of combined them here in the podcast for you guys to consume as well maybe you don't have time to sit down at your desk and, and watch a 10 minute video recap of everything that happened with the Lions offense this season but you do have time to turn it on while you're driving to work while you're working out something like that so we're kind of putting them in podcast form for you here since we pretty much covered everything that there is to cover in those videos and actually the podcast versions will be a little bit longer than what ends up on the website we do have to cut those down a little bit uh, to make them more digestible for uh, the video crowd but for the podcast crowd we are giving it to you in full so you will be able to hear the entire breakdown that Tim Mike and I did on each phase of the team So today I'm going to give you the offense and the defense. So you're going to hear in just a little bit, Tim, Mike, and I talk extensively about the offense. You will hear a little bit of a commercial break, and then we will come back and talk all about the defense. Please keep in mind that the audio is stripped from a video, so maybe we reference something that that you don't see because you're just listening to it. Uh, But just keep that in mind as as you uh, listen to these audio clips. If you do want to watch the accompanying video, you can find those on DetroitLions.com. So this week, we are giving you offense and defense in podcast version. Next week, we will give you special teams and rookies. We pretty much go through every single rookie and look back at each of them. So you will be able to get a full recap of the rookies. But that is for next week. For now, let's take a look at the offense and defense with Tim Twentyman, Mike O'Hara, and myself. Here you go, guys. Show your Lions pride by going authentic with gear from shop.detroitlions.com. For a vast selection of t-shirts, hats, jerseys, and novelties with convenient flat rate shipping right to your doorstep, visit shop.detroitlions.com, your 24-7 home for Lions gear. Obviously, a lot to review on offense this season. 
considering the Lions played with three different quarterbacks this year? Well, to me, it starts with who, what they were with Matthew Stafford and what they were without him. And I could bore you with the statistics right now, and I probably will later. <laughs> He's going to. But not the same team. Absolutely not the same team in any sure. way, shape, or form. I think Matthew Stafford showed his value to this team. I think he's the most valuable athlete to any team in the state of Michigan. And I think now that we've hit the offseason, now it comes into question what that quarterback room will look like um, next year. And you mentioned the two backups. Jeff Driscoll came in when Matthew Stafford hurt that back in week nine. He was 0-3. He did some good things, but ultimately quarterbacks are, you know, judged on wins and losses. He was 0-3. He hurts the hamstring in Washington. David Blau comes in. David Blau, again, does some good things, but he's 0-5. So without Matthew Stafford this year, that's 0-8. And you just look at other teams and what they did. You know, I think the best example is probably New Orleans with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, that team went and got themselves an established veteran backup. Drew Brees hurts his thumb early in the year. Teddy Bridgewater comes in. They're 5-0. and oh. He keeps them on path to the playoffs, and now they'll be playing this weekend. So I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Lions do, whether that's draft, you know, a guy to develop that can possibly play early, or if they'll take that route, go get some established guy, um, that's played, that's a free agent. I think they got to do something, and I think they will do something. It's just yet to be yet to be determined what that is. And one thing about it, if it's free agency, it costs you money. If it's a draft, it costs you probably a third-round draft pick. If you want to get somebody who you think who might be the quality to be an heir apparent, but Matthew Stafford's going to be the quarterback for a long time. Sure. Of course. Bob Quinn talked after the season in his season-ending press conference about the job that those backup quarterbacks did. He said he felt like Jeff Driscoll played well enough to win in two out of those three games that he was the quarterback for, but just felt like there were uh, inconsistencies across the board, whether defense or special teams didn't hold up there. And now we're not discussing defense and special teams in depth on, on this video here, but Jeff Driscoll, I thought, did step in and, and show us some good things, at least in, in the games that he did. Well, he'd been in the league before, and he'd started games for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and he had uh, he had an, a skill that, that David Blau didn't have, and that was speed, size, and escapability. And I think they might have won a game or two with Driscoll. Uh, certainly, they should have won the Washington game, a bad interception there at the end of the game by Driscoll. But I think they would have won maybe a couple of games with him. David Blau, uh, much I love the guy, but just at this stage of his development, he wasn't ready to be a five-game starter in the National Football League. And Bob Quinn said as much as post right. press conference. He said, look, they acquired... Blau, you know, late in the preseason with trade for, with Cleveland to develop him. They liked what they saw in the pre-draft process, obviously had their eyes on him, but they knew he wasn't ready to play. And that's just how this season went for the Detroit Lions. And the other injuries were the big story. I think when the season, when the 2019 season of this team is written down, a major chapter, maybe two, has to be about injuries, and, sure. and especially at the quarterback position. And I think the other thing, the most important thing that's happened in this offseason starting Monday the day after the game is that John Matthew Stafford said, I'll be ready for the offseason program. I, I had some doubt in my mind. He, to me, ended all that doubt. Detroit Lions are safe with their starting quarterback. Well, that's good because they were playing. This was a, an offense that was humming along with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. Yeah. Now, it didn't result in the wins and losses, and that's for other mitigating factors that we'll talk about in other videos. But 3-4-1, but this was, I think, top five passing offense. Um, they were moving the ball. Um, he was playing at, at a Pro Bowl potentially MVP type level. I think it was 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. His yards per attempt, 8.6, the highest of his career. He led the league in 20-yard pass completions at 41. So, I mean, it was humming along. And so I think when you look into 
um, this offseason and going into year two under Daryl Bevel, you've got to like what you have with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. And now you're going to get into some of the nitty gritty, some of the details of this offense. It isn't going to be an offseason where they're trying to learn it and implement it. Now they're trying to perfect it. And so you have to be excited a little bit about Matthew Stafford coming back and his ability to be in that offense. And if I'd just like to add one thing to those great stats here is that he had he was dialed in when he was when he was hurt. His last three games, 70, he averaged 73 percent completions, 371 yards per game and 10 touchdown passes. He was on his way to maybe 5,400, 5,500 yards right up there. Historic yardage uh, performance cut short by the injury. Tim, you brought up Daryl Bevel. We haven't talked about him yet. He took over this offense this offseason. What did you think of the offense he implemented? We talked a lot last offseason about how balance was what they were going for uh, and how he would be working with Matthew Stafford. What did you think of what Daryl Bevel was able to do this year? Well, I liked what he did with the running game early on. There wasn't a lot of success early on, but he stuck with it. And I think that was the big thing where maybe some guys say, look, we're not, it, it's not working. He's like, you know, we're not getting the yards per carry that we want. Let's go away. Let's throw the ball. And then now defensive you know, ends, defensive line can pin their ears back. I think the one thing I, I really liked about Bevel was he stayed consistent all the way through. He said he wanted to be balanced, and if it wasn't working, he was still running the football to set up some of the play action and some of those things that, that Mike Stats leads to. Those are a direct result of play action and the ability of, um, you know, keeping with the run, staying with it, not letting defenders cheat, and then you make big plays off it. So I think that's one of the things I really liked about Daryl Bevel. And then we saw at the end of the year that run game really started to go and they're carry on Johnson and, and, and Bo Scarborough. But the one thing about Daryl Bevel is he was consistent. He had a plan and he stuck with it all year long. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And I also think, Tim and Tori, that he had some wrinkles in it. He didn't care who played quarterback. And, and it was Matthew Stafford with the, uh, the flea flicker against Green Bay game they lost 23-22. It was the, uh, the long pass to, to Kenny Galladay when David Blau's second throw as a quarterback. And then the last game of the season, touchdown pass to David Blau. So he had something ready to go no matter who his personnel was. And he talked about the running game. But I think despite all the injuries, I think you saw development on the offensive line. And, and the three-guard rotation, I think, I don't know if it was a stroke of genius or if they did it just because they weren't sure, but I think it worked out. And I think as the season went on, that versatility up front, I think, did that team well. And that's a good point, too, on the on the ability to adapt to your different quarterback, too. I mean, you look when Matthew Stafford went out, you said off the top, Jeff Driscoll brought that ability to, to run, extend plays, use his legs, the athleticism. Well, then all of a sudden we saw RPOs, and we saw some of the other things that Bevel put into the offense to cater to the the skill set of the quarterback he had. And I think that's a terrific talent of an offensive coordinator too. It's not just, hey, this is the offense. You have to tailor your game to what I run, what we run, what we've been running. No, sure. he said, okay, look, what's, what does Jeff Driscoll do well? Well, here, well, let's put that stuff into the offense. Let's change it up. And again, that goes to um, just how well um, Bevel is uh, uh, developing um, an offensive scheme. And I thought through the whole season, he probably had like 1,050 plays, offensive plays. There were three or four, maybe five. I thought, why'd you, why'd you call that? But I didn't have, and like I did previously, why are you, why are you playing what you're playing? Why, why don't you, you know, I, I just thought overall, I thought it was really a good job by Bevel. I thought that was an important addition, and I think it worked out. Well, briefly here, let's run through the different position groups on offense. We've talked about the quarterback position. We've talked about the offensive coordinator. Mike, you touched on that offensive line and the rotation that they had. 
this year. What did you think of, of how the offensive, life, offensive line play turned out at the end of the season? Obviously, they had some injuries of their own. Well, absolutely. They went downfield longer, so you got to hold your blocks longer and all that. But I thought they played, I thought they played pretty well. I thought Joe Dahl, that left guard, until he got hurt late in the season, was a good, a good move. Frank Rag now from left guard to center. You're looking at the next 10-time Pro Bowl center. Maybe 11. He's really good. He is really, he is really, really, good. really good. And I thought it was a little bit of a slight for him not even to be considered in, in the Pro Bowl mix because I think he played that well. I think the big question mark with the offensive line heading into the offseason, Graham Glasgow's a free agent. He gives you some versatility. He can play left guard, right guard. We know he's played center as well. He won't have to do that moving forward. But, you know, where does he end up? Do Lions, you know, make him a contract offer? Where does that fall in line with free agency? Guards have been getting paid a lot of money here the last couple of years of free agency, and so it'll be interesting to see what Graham Glass Well, yeah, it'll come down to market value with him, but I think the big the big issue is not do we have, do we have a good candidate at right guard? They do. To me, it's right tackle, and is it is it Rick Wagner coming back, or is it Terrell Crosby? Who, who knows? I think that's, I think that's, in my mind, wide open. Let's move on to the tight end position, something the Lions really invested in this offseason, bringing in a free agent, bringing in a first-round draft pick in T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, obviously, T.J. wasn't able to finish out this season, and we'll talk more about rookies later on. But uh, what did you think of the play that the Lions got out of their tight end group this year? Well, obviously started great in the first game against Arizona with T.J. with, what, six catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. He kind of flattened out after that. He had some good moments, some bad moments, and some average moments. I was a little disappointed in, the, in, in how the depth played out, though. Logan Thomas, to me, was signed to be the third tight end. I think he really was the second tight end in terms of production. And Jesse James, no relation to Doc Holliday and that crew, but uh, it's an inside joke here, guys. But Jesse James, I was really disappointed he wasn't a 30, 35 catch guy. Uh, Bob Quinn said at his presser, we've got to get more out of Jesse James, and we'll see if they do and we'll see if they can. I agree 100% on your evaluation of Jesse James. I think with TJ, and I've, I've written this before, and I've talked to people around the league, and they always say the tight end position outside of quarterback is the hardest for rookies to come in and learn because you're learning three different positions. You have to understand the blocking schemes. You have to understand all the protections. It is just a lot to put on a rookie's plate. And you know, Mike talked about the terrific debut he had and then you level out a little bit. And I think if you look around the league, you look at the George Kittles, you go look at some of the great tight ends in this league right now. Go look at their rookie years. Go see what they did production wise their rookie years. And I think you'll be a little bit surprised. That's kind of on par with what TJ did this year. Now, he's got obviously got to do some things better. You know, I, th I think he's got to develop and, and get better blocking-wise and stuff like that. But I think TJ Hawkinson's going to be a really good player for a long time. I don't think you guys need to be worried out there. I think he's a really, really good player. He built a strong foundation in his first year, and he's just going to hit the ground running in the offseason. And it's a lot easier if you're a rookie tight end to break in if you're a receiver or a blocker. But if you have to do both, it changes the entire dynamic. And that's not, what he had to do. I'm sorry. Sure. Not much to review when it comes to the wide receiver position uh, because that was really one of the strengths of this offense this year. Marvin really Jones Jr. and Kenny Galladay, fantastic years for both of them. Unfortunately for Marvin Jones Jr., it ended in injury, but really good uh, years for both those guys. Well, to me, it was sort of like the skins game for Kenny Galladay where you got to validate after you make a birdie. Well, he validated his second year. He had a 1,000-yard season and then came back with it even better and then had the 11 touchdowns. 11 touchdown catches to lead the, lead the league in, in touchdown catches. 
look, I don't know if we're looking at a future superstar, but we're looking at a future number one wide receiver. Yeah, and, you know, Marvin Jones had to do his last year, but he was terrific. Obviously, couldn't finish the year, but nine touchdowns with him. That's a great one to do. And I'd, I'd say Danny Amendola had a terrific year as well. As, oh, plus 600 yards. I think he was right around 60, 60 catches, I think, right yeah, around that right mark. Around and so, look, they were looking for a guy to kind of fill that slot role, and I think he fits the um, kind of business-like mentality that um, head coach Matt Patricia wants. He just goes to work. He's there every day. He, he plays with intensity. He, he is just as hard in practice as he is in the games. And so I think that's what they kind of wanted to bring to that room. And we talked to Kenny Galladay early in the year, and he, I think Danny Amendola was a terrific influence on Galladay just in terms of work ethic, how you break down film, how you approach every day. I think Kenny gained a lot from having a veteran guy like Danny Amendola here. And I think all three, the, that trio, uh, was really, really good. Yeah, his yards per catch were up. And I think he's one of those guys who can fit in, whether it's Tom Brady's his quarterback or David Blau. He's a presence. I'd bring him back in. And then now, look, I'm not negotiating contracts, and it's not my money. But, Danny, I'll bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, let's touch on that run game, the running backs that the Lions had back there this year. A lot of up and down with the run game, considering the injuries. Carrion Johnson spent much of the season on IR was able to return for those final two games of the year. In the meantime, the Lions picked up Bo Scarborough, who uh, came in and, and really did some good things for the Lions, showed some strong play. And then, of course, Ty Johnson was in the mix as well. I think at the very end of the year, we kind of saw what this backfield could look like with these three different guys with different skill sets. Well, I liked Bo. I, mean, I, I like Bo, period. But I just, you know, I talked to somebody in Dallas where he was drafted, and they said they made a big mistake not keeping him. He would have helped that team. Now, look, he's behind Zeke Elliott. He wasn't going to get a lot of carries. But he'd give you quality when he's in the game. And I thought he did that with the Lions. I really did. I thought right from the, right from the beginning to, the, to his last carry, he, I think he's going to be a good second or third back for the Lions, depending on what you know on the situation. Sure, you know, and and uh, Carryon took a lot of grief, you know, want, you know, trying to come back, you know, and and the Lions made it his decision. And look, he said, I didn't want to finish the year in IR. You know, I wanted to come back and Can prove something. Can you blame something. him? You can't blame him. He wants you know? to play football. He wants What's to play wrong football. with that? That's what he gets paid to do. I thought he had a great line. He said, Look, if I don't play then my fans might become somebody else's fans. Yeah. And so, <laughs> look, you've got to get back there and play. And I think the important thing about the last two games was it showed what that duo could potentially be. And I think maybe if he didn't come back, you've got a lot of questions heading into the offseason. Where does carry-on fit in with Bo? Where does right. – how do the two – styles mesh together well the last two games both guys average over four point yards per carry that run game was really really good and so yeah i think carry on coming back i think answered a few questions about what you have in that running back room now maybe you head into this offseason thinking oh maybe we don't really have to you know spend a ton of resources because we like our number one our number two now you always want to add young running backs don't get me wrong but i think a number one and a number two and carry on johnson bo scarborough you could do a lot worse than that I think Ty Johnson did some nice things the last game, three catch or three runs for you know sixty some yards. But one thing about Carrion, I think like running back is probably the most instinctive or one of the most instinctive positions on the team, offense, defense, or special teams. But I think it showed that he was paying attention when he was on IR, and he came back and he hit the ground running just like that. Well, I think that's why they're good styles too. I mean, sure. when you have Carrion, he's a three down back. He's an elusive guy, makes guys miss in the backfield, gets yards, and Bo gives you that downhill. The hammer. He's going to run yeah. downhill. He's the hammer. And so now you've got a guy who can make guys miss, a three-down guy, you get a compliment of a hammer-type downhill runner. I think that's a nice one-two compliment. And so, again, we head into the offseason. I think you feel pretty good about the running back position. Show your Lions pride by going authentic with gear from shop.detroitlions.com. For a vast selection of T-shirts, hats, jerseys, and novelties with convenient flat-rate shipping right to your doorstep, visit shop.detroitlions.com. 
your 24-7 home for Lions gear. There was so much hype about this defense coming into the 2019 season. Lots of high expectations. It was the second year under Matt Patricia. They brought in some big free agents, uh, signed some guys, especially along the defensive line that we thought were really going to be some impact players, but it didn't quite turn out to be what everyone had hoped. No, I'd agree with that. And I think maybe we might agree on this, but all through the offseason program and, and, and training camp and the preseason, I kept thinking your best defensive players are rehabbing. They're not getting ready to play football. And, you know, and, and I think it showed right from the beginning when yeah. they faded in the fourth quarter against the Arizona Cardinals and got a, and got a tie. And just, just I don't think it ever really fired the way they thought it would, especially in terms of sacks and the run defense. Really, I thought they'd pick up where they were, where they'd left off, and they just never seemed to. Disappointing. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's the word. Just, just disappointing all the way around, all three levels, um, all the way throughout the year. I think to Mike's point too, you know, when guys like Trey Flowers miss all of training camp, Mike Daniels miss all of training camp, and Trey, you know, even admitted it early in the season that he wasn't quite back to the guy he was. That didn't happen until maybe the second month of the season, you know, six games into the season. Um, and then I think he was the player they thought he'd be. I, I think, think he, he was, was, yeah. He was really good at the end of the year, but it all led to those slow starts and just sure. for whatever reason, Lions just couldn't get things rolling on. Defense. Yeah, and they didn't sign him to be J.J. Watt. They signed him to be Trey Flowers, and that's who he was, and I think that was okay. But really, you look at the statistics, and it's just, you know, 30th in this, 29th in that, 28th in that. They just, it just never was a, a top-flight defense, and that's reflected to me in the sacks and the turnovers. They just didn't create any havoc up front and, you know, force the secondary to just cover forever, forever, forever. And you, you cannot do that in the National Football League, even against rookie quarterbacks. Playmakers. 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 That's what, you know, great defenses have. They have playmakers. They have guys that get to the quarterback. They have guys that get you in bad down and distance situations. They have guys that get hands on footballs. They have guys that create game-breaking turnovers. There just wasn't enough of it all the way through on all three levels for Lions defense. And you look at some guys like Jared Davis had six sacks last year. Hurt this year had two. Romeo Quara went from what seven or eight down to one. That's a, that's a that's an awful lot of production to lose. It really is. Yeah, I really felt like they didn't pick up where they left off last year. I mean, you guys mentioned that. I mean, you look at Snacks Harrison. I know he was disappointed with the way that his season turned out. The injuries and training camp and, and guys not being able to pick right back up when they came back from injuries. And Deshaun Hand, we all had high expectations for him as well, and he spent most of this year injured. Yeah, he played in three games, and I think that's I think part of the big story on defense was you, you look at some individual performance, some individual guys. You mentioned Snacks Harrison for years has been the number one run stuffing defensive tackle in football. You know, he had 81 tackles last year from that interior. That was 48 this year, you know, and he wasn't the same run stuffing guy he's been in years past. Mike mentioned Jared Davis. He was one of two guys with 100 tackles and six sacks last year. Nowhere near that this year. I think Justin Coleman had up and down, but he underperformed from where he's been in years past. Quandre Diggs, before the trade, he wasn't playing very well. I think he was leading the league in missed tackles and just wasn't making those game-breaking plays. And so when you take the individuals and then you make it a whole, you get a lot of guys that underperform, and I think that's why they ended up 31st, 30, 32nd, like Mike talked about. Uh, there is some information on this. I'm not just being, I'm not, <laughs> but they they played 1,094 defensive snaps, the most in the National Football League. What does that tell you? That they're not getting off the field. 44% mm. conversion rate against them on third down. Couldn't get off the field. 
Well, the Lions made some changes on their defensive staff just after the season ended. Uh, changes across the board, but we'll discuss the defensive changes right here. I mean, uh, moving on from their linebackers coach and their defensive backs coach, we haven't touched on those two position groups yet, but uh, those ones didn't live up to, to what people expected either. No, once again, you know, seven interceptions for the season. Wasn't that what they had last year? Yeah, seven so. and seven? Yeah. yeah, the magnificent seven isn't magnificent, you know, and it's it's They've got really a Pro Bowl cornerback there in, in Darius Slay. Somebody should be else should be making a play. I think I think a couple of the young guys, Will Harris and Amani Oruwarier, nice said it job. right. Yeah. How about that? Good job. Hold the applause. Try. But I think you know, I think they showed something for the future. But in other words, but there were learning pains and and things to overcome while they were playing. But but just in any way, shape, or form, not good enough. I think in that back seven, one guy you've got to be excited about. At least I am. I think he's going to be a pretty good player. Is Tracy Walker. I think he showed some things in terms of tackles. He got his hands on some footballs, dealt with some injuries, as did, it seems, everybody. But I think with Darius Slay and Tracy Walker, you've got two good guys back there, and now you've got – you need somebody else to step up. You know, you need another safety. Mike mentioned Will Harris. He's got to take a huge step. Amani Oruarie, he's got to take Close. a big step. So, Close. I mean, you, now it, you, <laughs> you've got two guys, established playmakers, did some good things. We'll see – Obviously, Darius Slay's under contract next year, but we'll see if he gets an extension or what his future is. But they just need one or two other guys to kind of step up and, and, and be a guy. And when we do our rookie report, we'll talk about Jelani Tavai, but stay tuned for that one, okay? Well, and you mentioned the That's sort of a tease. You mentioned the linebackers, <laughs> too. That's a tease. Nicely done. Jared Davis, Jelani Tavai, Christian Jones all ended the year on yeah. reserve. Those are your three starters. You, just, you didn't have them. I mean, you were down to backups. And, you know, that's just in this league, you expect – and you pay guys, and you play them, and you develop them, and they're starters for a reason. And it just across the board, I think Tavai did some good things, but it just as a unit, collectively, it wasn't enough from the linebackers. But it opened the door for Anthony Pittman of Wayne State to step in and dominate the last shameless game. Shameless plug. What a shameless <laughs> plug, Mike. I'll sing, I'll sing the in fight song. No, he might have some Wayne State connections shameless. here. Shameless. <laughs> Well, guys, that's a, a good look back at, at what happened on defense in 2019. I'll take just a second to look forward. What needs to happen for this defense to live up to what everybody wants it to be? Well, Mike asked the question of Bob Quinn in the postgame press. Because I didn't get a good answer from Matt <laughs> Patricia. <laughs> but, he, you know, he asked about the pass rusher and needing a pass rush. And, look, you, know, you Trey Flowers had seven sacks, I believe, is what he ended up with. And that's right along where Trey, what Trey does. Um, he led this team in, in quarterback hits and quarterback hurries. He was the Trey Flowers they thought they were getting. I think I agree with Mike in that, but you need somebody else. It can't just be one guy, you know. I, I think Devon Kennard had seven sacks as well, but it was a mixed bag. I think it was you got one, and then you maybe win a couple games without, and then you got two, and you win a couple games without. It was a little bit inconsistent. Now I think he's a good player, but I think you need one more elite pass rusher, whether that's a number three pick or you go out in free agency and spend some of the money that they have. I just think you need to bookend um, somebody with Trey Flowers. They've got to get some kind of pressure. They think hand coming back will, will allow, you know, get that pressure up the middle, um, which they didn't have either. But you just need, I, th I agree with Mike, you need one more pass rusher. You need somebody that can get after the quarterback and make plays. And also you, you alluded to the staff changes they made defensively. I think you also might want to look at the system you're playing. and You might want to tweak a little bit. It's tough to play man coverage to begin with. It's almost impossible when you're not getting to the quarterback. So I think they've got to look at some of that, too. And I'm not talking about, look, you've got to have a way you play. You really can. You just can't just say we're going to play a 3-4 this week and a 4-3 next week and whatever. You've got to have a way you play football in all three phases of the game. But I think that's something that they really have to look at real hard, how they play the game. 